Hey everybody, David here from Team Powerhouse, the Powercast with Eric Vasquez, live Tuesday, every Tuesday, roughly 5 p.m., a little late today. We have a very special guest today. His name is Steve Miller, and we are very excited to have you on with us in the show today. Not, so not of this. Steve Miller Band. Not the Steve Miller Band, well, but... Some people still call me Maurice because I do speak <laughs> on the pompous of love. Yes. I love I'm it. That. The pompous of love. Talking about the pompous of love today... Uh, Steve Miller is a very well-known real estate agent and exclusive member of some very important boards in the real estate industry uh, that we're going to talk about today about what he does, what it's all about. But before we get started, just to make sure you all have us live locked in Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Apple Music and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TikTok. If you haven't reached us, you haven't joined us yet, please get on there. Find Team Powerhouse, the Powercast. We cannot wait to be with you and talk with you. And anybody wants to come on the show, let us know in local businesses, etc. Say right. YouTube, I didn't hear YouTube. We are also on YouTube, Team okay. Powerhouse Real Estate. Please go there and subscribe. Thank you so much, Eric. Very important to know. All right, so Steve Miller, first of all, where are you from? Uh, Welcome, Steve, by the way. Why, thank you. Uh, from Long Island originally. Long, Strong Island. Long Island. Long. L-A-W-N-G. Long Island. Long Island. Born and uh, raised. Uh, uh, originally from the Bronx. Family moved out to the island. I was one or two years old and uh, came to Connecticut in 1986. Nice. 1986. And where did you res where do you reside now? What town? North Haven. Did you start in North Haven and North Haven? Are you... Started in East Haven and moved to North Haven 26 or 7 years ago. Beautiful. Kids? Two kids. Um, two daughters. Beautiful. Uh, 30 and 32 years old. Uh, and a grandson who's six. It's Amen. Just the light nice. of my life. Just Amen. Good boy. Family is everything. You Absolutely. Know, it makes it's, you, it's, it's your why. It's your why in life your is why. exactly right. And if you don't have a why in life, make sure to know that's the most important reason why you get up, why you work, and what you do every day. All right, everybody. So going back to Steve, from the New York area, in 1986, you came to Connecticut. You reside now in North Haven, a local guy that everybody knows and loves. Um, you've been in the business for how long? Uh, this is my 42nd year in the real estate business. How many? 42. Wow. That means you got involved in the age of 12. That's pretty amazing. That's close. Yeah, I mean, to be, that's, I mean, I didn't know it was legal back then. It's a good 12 years old getting into real estate. Uh, I can't believe 42 years in real estate. I'm not as dumb as I look. I'm not as old as I look. So we're doing okay. And you're at 42 years in this business. You've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. I started, I started in 1980. Um, my first transaction in this business was a listing in wow. Port Jeff, New York. And I don't remember the price of the house, but I do remember the interest rate was 17 and a half percent. 17 and a half, yeah. And, you know, people are saying, oh, five, five and a half now. Well, we've seen historically a much different path. Much different okay. path. And what was interesting back then is the buyer had a 17 and a half percent three-point mortgage. Wow. Back in those days, the bankers went to the closings, and the banker uh, looked at my clients, the seller, and said, how many points are you willing to pay to get this deal closed today? Wow. Whacked it for another two points. No kidding. So it was 17.5% five-point mortgage, and that was the way it was done back then. The bankers back in the day were definitely making the money. 
Yeah, and quite frankly, they go to jail for that. You know, that, that was happening up until about 2008 with those bankers are whacking people uh, left and right. I remember correctly myself that, again, off the record, that I remember seeing those kind of things happen, but at no different. I got into this in 05, and I remember seeing those kind of things happening, and you didn't, I didn't know what that meant. Uh, bankers whacking. They just, they just stepped in because they could, Yeah. and there was nobody there to say no. No one there to protect anybody. Absolutely true. Very crazy stuff. All right, so. That's why I didn't buy a house before 2008, so. What kind of interest rate did you have in 08? Uh, Around 07, uh, 07 actually. Um, no, I think it was. Uh, five, six? No, I think it was like four and a half. Was that right? Four and a half, something like that. Four and a half, five. I don't remember. I thought they were somewhere around six or seven. I think no. you're in the ballpark of five and change. Because I bought in 08, and I remember it being five and, I think five and seven eighths, or somewhere in that ballpark, five and change, I think. Maybe well, maybe this credit. was before the crash. I had good credit. I so. had before the crash, yeah. And it put a lot of down, a lot of money down. A lot so. of money down yeah. made a difference. Maybe like ninety, something like that. So uh, we are from Long Island, and we are in Connecticut. And you've been in the business for forty-two years. Um, forty-two years is a long time in the real estate market. They see a lot of ups and downs, and you've probably seen it happen a few times. Would you say that be fair and reasonable? Oh, I've seen, <laughs> I, I can't say I've seen it all because there's still more coming, there is but more coming. I've seen the ups and the downs and the all arounds and, you know, you just have to, you know, it's very difficult. Like I talk to a lot of new agents who come into the business. Yeah. One of the first things I say is you have to make sure if you have a good year to put some money away for taxes. Mm -hmm. Don't buy a big car your first year out because yep. things will go up, things will go down, and you have to, you know, somehow level it off. Sock some money away, put some away because you know it's coming. Highs and lows, highs and lows. You know, I, I got into this in 05, and I talk about this all the time, that everything was unbelievable. It was crazy. You know, we're here we are trying to buy a house, and it's pandemonium running wild trying to find a house, and, you know, it was just craziness. The market hot and and you couldn't find houses, and it was before, back in the day, where people could get a mortgage without even what stated incomes. You didn't have to even provide proof of what you made, um, and that was a crazy part. Um, but with that comes the crash, um, and a lot of people got out of the business, uh, which was a great thing, in my opinion. I hate to say it like that because it doesn't sound nice, but, and that's what I see happen in this market here. I see a lot of this, right now the market is very busy. And with a very busy market, we have all these people that say, oh, I want to get involved in real estate. I want to get my license. They think we're killing it here. People don't realize. The, this, the last year and a quarter have been the busiest year and a quarter of my career, but not necessarily the best financial. Right. You're actually yes. making less money, running around more, making less sales because there's less homes, to, less homes to buy. Right. And putting that in perspective, pre-pandemic, there were 15,000 homes for sale single family and condos for sale in Connecticut. Yeah. 3,283 as of this morning. So the numbers are Well, they increased because it was about 25, 2,800. So 30, 32 is actually a good number, <laughs> except that we have 19,000 agents. There are 19,000 realtors in Connecticut right now. I mean, the yeah. math on that one there is- And, and 20,000 buyers. <laughs> right, more well, than 20,000 everybody has one buyer, and I know right. I, I have eight or 10 that I'm actively working with. So Agreed. To do that math. Absolutely. Um, I can guarantee you that the average agent on our team alone has got at least five or six buyers. I know that I have by 10 or 12, they're in the, in, the, in the hopper. And some people have been priced out of the market now because what they could afford before because interest is so high, 
then now I can't afford to buy anymore. Well, I just had to, I was just telling Eric uh, before we got on that I have a client, a young lady, great person, going to nursing school, one year left. She's an EMT in two towns. She's hustling. She's doing everything right. Can't find her house. It's very difficult. Very difficult. I'm excited to share with my clients. They don't even know yet unless they're watching this show that I just got a contract in a house. And very excited, yeah. very excited to share with some new clients. They just got a signed contract, but they don't know yet. You're the first ones listening to it. They, unless they're watching this show right now, which I hope they are, I've got some great news to share with them today. But they've been looking for about four or five months. And I remember four or five months ago when we first started looking, maybe even six months ago, uh, there was a house they saw. It was in Margarita. The price was pretty decent. The rates were about 3.75%, in that ballpark. And they kind of, eh, they're hemming and hawing, and they held off. And now the rates are almost 5.5 to 6. And what their buying power completely changed, which was devastating to a buyer when they don't realize the rate just went up like 2-3% from where they were before. Well, and in this market, what I'm experiencing is... When you're representing the client, and let's face it, most people are overbidding their property. Every buyer So is. my advice to them is now, well, maybe we should go up a little bit more because if we don't get this house and we wait for another house in an interest rate rising environment, that 20 grand is going to cost you a whole lot more over time on the back end of the mortgage. 100%. So there's a lot of different ways to kind of slice that. Right, to feel more comfortable about the idea. Not to mention, if they're going to be in a house 10 years, it doesn't matter at this point. It doesn't matter. If you're going to be in the house three years, it makes a difference. Should you be buying it? Well, I don't, I don't suggest people buy a house if they're going to buy it for three years. Right. Now. I, I recommend them renting and yeah. not buying. Yeah. At least five years you want to be in a house today. But if you're going to be in a house at least five to ten years, then you're going to be okay because the market's going to do the same thing. Well, I'm also and noticing. And the interest rates are going to drop. In the next five years, I believe the interest will drop, and then they can refinance. So if you can afford the house now, the interest rate will drop, and then you'll have a much smaller payment. I'm also seeing more cash in this market than I've ever seen before. Isn't that crazy? In the wildest of times, there are more cash buyers, more cash coming in. A lot of it's gifts from family, people getting married, people pulling the 401ks, right? They want to live forever. Exactly. I, absolutely. All right, so... Let's talk, we, we, we can go about the market and what's happening today, which is very important for you all to know about. We can talk more about this as well. But let's talk more about Steve. And Steve has gotten involved. In what year did you start getting involved with the Real Estate Association? Well, I don't know what year it was, but... Roughly how um, many years would you say ago? Well, probably around 2010 or 12. Okay, and when did you first join? I, I got on the board of directors for New Haven Middlesex Association of Realtors and you know the way life goes I was raising my daughters by myself so I didn't have time to you know do a lot of the extracurricular stuff while being in the real estate business yeah but as I got a little older I started getting more involved and I worked my way up that ladder so to speak ultimately to uh, president of the association. It's pretty big. It's, and, you know, it's it, a pretty amazing was, job to have and a lot of responsibility. Yeah, and we did some really great things, um, you know, in that period of time. We actually merged New Haven Association of Realtors with 
uh, Middlesex Association, we know New Haven Middlesex. So that was on my watch, and I thought it made a lot of sense because that's the direction our business is going. So we would have a bigger footprint with less overhead. Mm. How's it going with that? Very well, actually. <laughs> that's important to know. Yeah, really well. In fact, we are. And that's a great leadership decision to make, by the way, too. Bringing boards together. It, and it wasn't. Making very, it more powerful. It wasn't more. <laughs> at the time, it wasn't very popular. Right. In the sense that, you know, each association had a CEO and we only needed one. So we had to make some hard decisions, which I had to make. Right. And I had the full support of the board of directors to keep it going. Very cool. So, right now, you're uh, uh, tell us more about the realtor uh, the realtor association. It's got it's different how the structure is, what the different levels are, what's involved in that from uh, national from national down to local. Yeah. So the National Association of Realtors has been around well over a hundred years. The Connecticut Association of Realtors is our local um, association, been around over a hundred years, and. The thing, and the local associations um, obviously followed that. So there are about eight local associations in Connecticut, um, you know, cover different geographic areas mostly, but the way it's, it's set up basically is, you know, if you live in New Haven, you could join the Eastern Board, which yes. is out on the very east side of the state. So it's board of choice, so you don't have to be tied directly to where you live per se. So with that said, uh, we have options. Uh, our board has about 3,000 members now, so we are growing. Um, we how, many, I mean, how many members are there altogether then? I mean, you see 3,000 members on... That's in New Haven, Middlesex. <clears throat> okay. So how many, would you say across the board, how many, so it's out of 19,000 or 3,000? There's what? just about 19,000 realtors in Connecticut. Okay. But each local board has their own. Hartford is, I think, the largest... Uh, I think we're the second largest, and there are some other ones, obviously, throughout the state. Gotcha. You know, it's interesting. I know there's a couple members on our team that are associated with different boards, which is confused about. Again, based on where they live, they kind of got, uh, I feel like there's a lot of, um, right, money, exactly. So I think there's a benefit to one board over another. Uh, New Haven Middlesex is, again, one of the strongest local boards. Uh, we do things, we have the you know, the YPN, which is your professional network, mm -hmm. uh, which is run by um, uh, Doug Blackwood and Alan Stewart, um, both younger people in the business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's interesting is I do a piece of the orientation for new agents coming in to our uh, association. And we, of course, did them in person prior to, you know, the pandemic, but uh, Doug Blackwood, great guy, we had a nice conversation at the orientation. And I said something to him that he really took to heart, which is, don't just sell houses. Be involved in the real estate business. Mm -hmm. And he did that. And uh, he was a realtor of the year last year. It's pretty he's, cool. He's working really hard at it. It's pretty so, cool. I know Doug. Um, he's, he's, he's a great guy. Yeah. And with that said, you know, I, I've, I've mentored people over time. Um, I'm not going to use some names. I think Eric would make a great guy on the board. I think he'd be a great leader. You don't want that. Definitely a great leader, very well-spoken, hard worker. I think you definitely should be somebody if you look into getting in there involved. Well, I've got ideas, but nobody wants to hear them. Ah, so, so sure. I think that you'd make a great 
great piece of the puzzle, 100%. Um, well, let's now, make it happen then, dude. Let's gonna make it happen. Um, so, uh, let's see. I got a lot of questions written down over here that I want to kind of get over with you. So if I go sideways, I apologize in advance. Um, so each board covers different territories, right? Well, we're free to go anywhere in the state we want to. Our li we're licensed in Connecticut. Yes. So we can go anywhere. Right. So what does it mean? What is the board's duties? How does it help or protect a buyer, a seller, a realtor? Well, the code of ethics is um, adhered to by realtors. If there is an ethics complaint or something of that nature, it is taken up right now through the local boards. Um, and there's an ethics panel that hears out, you know, whatever complaint there would be. And I've been either fortunate or unfortunate to be on those panels. Right. So, so yeah, you have things between agents to agents that may come up or arise during transactions. Correct. And you have things between agents and uh, their realtors specifically to protect the buyers and sellers, mm -hmm. to make sure that everybody's ethically being, uh, doing their fiduciary and, code of ethics. Right. And even, you know, a buyer or seller could put in a complaint about an agent if there's something going on that needs to be looked at, so. How about lenders? Does that involve lenders as well? Do they also, uh, how, how does a, a, the board protect, let's say a buyer, making sure that they're not getting whacked at points? Is that possible that they would be involved? We have no jurisdiction over that at okay. all. Okay. So that's not, a, that's not in our wheelhouse. Okay, didn't know that, how that works. That's good, that's good information, by the way. Um, all right, so um, you're involved in many positions of leader, in leadership as a board member so you first got in at the national association of realtors well i first got in at the new haven middlesex new haven middlesex okay and now you're in the i i do a fair amount of work with the connecticut association of realtors ctr um you know we've done we've moved some mountains over the years actually um you know i'm on the executive team there and if you recall the debates in the gubernatorial elections, well, we did that. Mm -hmm. um, we also, uh, if you remember the Keith Urban concert for uh, the opioid crisis. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. We were behind that. We raised $600,000. That's unbelievable. Uh, that went to local um, organizations that handle uh, opioid addiction and services around that. So. Very philanthropic. We were, we were very proud of that. Yeah. Um, and the way it all came down was um, very quickly and quite amazing and was probably one of the last concerts at Mohegan before the pandemic hit. So hmm. timing couldn't have been much better for that. Uh, but the bottom line is, so we try to reach out. You know, we, if you look around the state, you'll see billboards. Uh, one of them, not one of them, but one of the messages is, you know, hate has no home in Connecticut. You know, so we're very, you know, we're adamant about, you know, helping people equally. Um, you know, there's been talk over years that, you know, certain minorities have been locked out of generational wealth through real estate. We're trying to fix that. We want everybody to have the same opportunity to buy a home. Yeah, earlier we had talked about, um, <clears throat> um, you would think it's National Association of Realtors, Connecticut Association of Realtors, and... New Haven Middlesex Realtors, it's all realtor. It's not necessarily that because you're also looking out for 
the folks who are out there who are buying homes, who are selling homes, and the, perp and the, and the folks who currently own homes. Because there are legislation or, or bills that are, um, that are coming up that aren't necessarily homeowner friendly, right? Well, what we do, and I'm on the legislative committee, and what, I think our focus and our job, I guess is what I'm saying, is to protect homeownership rights in Connecticut. And we do that. We have fought back bills about buyer conveyance taxes, and that rears its ugly head every so often, uh, which basically means that, you know, they're going to, you know, hit a point, you know, 1% mm -hmm. of the, the cost of the home and have the buyer pay that as a tax. Can you go into detail about that a little more? Because I don't think buyers really know about what that, what that it means. What that means is if you have a $300,000 house, there's going to be $3,000 tax on that if, if we didn't do our work to fight that back. So basically what you're saying is you're protecting buyers financially because that could be a tremendous, and depending on what they're buying, the, and when someone's in the lower price range, the money tends to be a lot more sensitive than the higher price range, and I hate to say it like that, but somebody's well, buying under some... five hundred thousand. That three, four, five hundred five thousand, three, four, five thousand dollars makes a huge difference to them, right? Because they're already probably borrowing from their mom and dad. They're probably going to the four hundred one k's. They're probably not as deep in the pocket with financials. So another three, four, five thousand dollars to need at the closing table is tremendous. Not that someone who's got five hundred to a million is happy to give it away by no means. But the more likely to have it in their, I'll call it, savings. Well, let's just say how many cash-strapped transactions have you been involved with over the mm -hmm. years? Which is, you know, in some cases, the buyer will ask the seller for closing cost credits to cover right. the closing costs. Well, and another three grand onto that. Where's it coming from? Right. It's coming from the homeowner, most likely. Right. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the buyers, you know, when... You know, right. don't have, the, they're putting their money down on the house and they're covering most of their closing costs, and but with you the, still have to watch out And with the them. inventory crush, uh, crunch we already have, um, you know, if somebody was thinking about their house and they have all these additional costs that they have to look at possibly down the road, You'll they're like, again. well, why would I sell my house now? I mean, I've got to pay the buyers this, I've got to pay this, you know? It, and well, right, and right now more than ever before, we haven't had buyers getting closing costs at all to begin with. Right now, the buyers are, if you don't have the deposit, the closing cost, and the cash to put down, you're not getting a house. Not in this market. Not in this, in this market, market at all. Um, and that means that there are a lot of money out of pocket to begin with. So an extra three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 makes a huge difference. No one's getting closing costs. If you're a buyer out there and you need a closing cost, you're not buying a house. Unless you're buying a house basically in the middle of nowhere where no one's looking to sell, where it's not as busy of a market, I hate to say it like that, you're not in a position to buy a house. You need to have cash on hand. No, it's, and, not, it's not the time for you to be buying right, right now. And then if you are a person who is strapped, and most people are strapped to the T's, and actually two, three, four, five thousand dollars is devastating. It's devastating to the buyer. It's a difference between being able to buy or not. Yeah. So that's and that affects why... everybody. That affects Eric, myself, the sellers, the buyers, because let's be honest, we don't make money if we don't sell houses. We don't get paid hourly, right? We get paid based on a buyer and a seller mutually agreeing on a property and closing in a house. So we need everybody to be happy. And we appreciate what you're doing to fight that whole process. Yeah, there's some other things going on too. Let's that, talk about that. 
I mean, right now, everybody thinks real estate's doing so well, so the industry has a big target on its back. Mm -hmm. You know, and just a place where, you know, legislators think it's a money grab. They could find money in the real estate business. You know, there's, you know, we fought back what they call the mansion tax, uh, which is rearing its head again, which is, you know, a house over a million two will have an additional tax. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all well and good, but you go to some parts in Connecticut that you're buying a three-bedroom two-bath Cape for a million two, that's not a mansion. That's right, it's not so a mansion. So we, we have to be very clear on... Well, that's just, that's just change the name from mansion to something else. Well, or Because it's not a mansion. You know, right. And, and, you know, so the we, wealthy tax, they'll call it. But wealthy. at the end of the day, it's you're not getting your money's worth, technically speaking. Correct. If you have to pay this tax, it's like stealing from the rich kind of thing. If you want, It's not that someone's rich necessarily. Everybody works hard for their money. I don't care what level of income you are. It's someone taking from your pocket that you've worked for, and that's not okay. You know, you should be able to work hard and enjoy it and also play hard. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, and there, there's also talk and has been, and we fought back what they call a statewide property tax. Well, I think that's just egregious in a state like Connecticut. We're paying enough. We pay some of the highest taxes in, in the, the country. country. In the country in Connecticut. To go and take and charge more tax, town by town, the taxes are insane. And they're only going up. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure how much we can talk about taxes or how much the... Can you talk about taxes a little bit on that kind of... And well, I'll tell you. I mean, I pay taxes in three different towns and wow. all different. Um, I'll just say I have a property in Hamden. It's a, it's a condominium paying over $4,000 a year in taxes on. It's ridiculous. I have a, a, a larger condo in North Haven in which um, I'm paying just $3,200 off. So you're paying another $1,500 plus because it's Hamden. Uh, and, and there are some towns that have... And by the way, I will share it. I don't know who knows this or not, but when I got my tax bill from Hamden, in the upper left corner of last year's tax bill, it said if the state didn't give Hamden $38 million, your mill rate would have been 61 change. Wow. Now, at the time, I went to the mayor and said, what's going to happen next year? We're going to get $38 million. And he kind of shrugged his shoulders, and he's not in office anymore. So um, <laughs> with that said, you know, there are big problems. There are big now, problems. the $38 million from the state came from all of us. Right. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Right. So to go to... Who's paying that money? Where's it coming from? It's coming from us. Right. You know, it's yeah. coming from home ownership in Connecticut. Right. That's right. Those are the things we're, we're fighting, and those are the things we're taking a stand on. You guys are definitely in the public eye as far as politics go. You're definitely fighting City Hall, literally. Um, and yes. I understand, as a realtor, we have the strongest backing and a government level with the lobbying... Right? Well, that's on the national scale. We also have, on the local scale in Connecticut, we have lobbyists. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, have, we, we do all of that. But the important, I think, piece of the puzzle is, you know, we do it for our clients. Right. You know, that's what we're doing. We need to make the ball go round and round and have less drama in the process. We need to have the ability for buyers and sellers to be able to communicate smoothly and get the opportunity to sell my homes and not get gouged at the, at the end of the day on the way there. 
Um, and it's tough. It's tough. Um, all right. So, so I had a question though. Yes. Um, um, one of the things uh, in the pre-meeting um, that I had talked about with Steve is uh, what what are some of the things that some of the boards are doing to kind of um, help with what's going on with the inventory and stuff. And I explained to Dave the other day. I told him that we saw the I saw the um, the billboard about sellers needed. Well, contact we, your realtor, and you said call that a, was call a realtor. Which you know I'm on that committee that you know brought that forward right. because look, we can't force people to sell houses, but no. at the end of the day, there's been no better time to sell than now. One hundred percent. The question is, where are you going to go? And the answer to that question is. Most people in Connecticut are going south. Well, I was actually in Florida a couple of times in the last several months, and you know, on the East Coast, Fort Lauderdale market. Yeah, it's, it's hot. as crazy as it is here, but the numbers are much higher because it's a thousand people a day moving to Florida from Connecticut, New England, if you will, not just Connecticut. Well, the whole, the entire northern tier of the country, more or less. You know, but still, it's, because it's, what, it's what are the taxes over there? The taxes are nothing. I mean, compared to here, well, there's no state income tax. And for somebody who dropped a check in the mail yesterday, I think that's pretty attractive. <laughs> very attractive, very attractive. Again, but you know what? Connecticut draws a lot of people in from New York, California right now. We have more buyers coming from California than ever before. California and New York are, in, I'll call it invading in a nice way, but they're really completely, you drive around and it's New York license plates everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they're so happy to be in Connecticut. They love Connecticut, Connecticut as you should. A beautiful state. It's a beautiful state. It has so many beaches. We have beautiful beaches in Long Island Sound. Where else could you get to a beach and to a ski mountain in 15 minutes? It's true. It's a very <laughs> good point. Think about it. And you got excellent restaurants in Connecticut. Food in Connecticut. You're talking to two transplanted New Yorkers right here. Yeah, it's the food. I mean, the food in Connecticut is the top-notch pizza. It's, it's best world pizza, class. Best pizza in the country. Maybe in the world, uh, according to El Presidente de Portnoy, uh, who I like to follow and watch him do his thing over there. But uh, you have a seafood restaurant. You have so many great things in Connecticut has to offer. But more importantly, people coming in from New York, they can who typically have been renting twenty five to thirty five hundred bucks for a rent. I actually just talked to a client daughter. She bought a studio apartment or a condo, if you will. She paid three hundred thousand dollars. It's about six hundred square feet. Okay. Three hundred dollars for six hundred square feet, like in the kitchen, in the bedroom, in the family, all in one room. What are the carrying costs of that? The 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 fees are exponential. Uh, so in Connecticut, they're coming here from from New York, and they're saying, "Oh my God, I got a house, I got a yard, and I can park, like in a in a, in my driveway." Forget about a garage. Garage is like the big the funniest thing that people from New York talked about is. Are there bears out there in my yard? You know what I mean? That, that's their biggest I'll, fear. I'll tell you, years and years ago, I dated a woman from the Upper West Side, 78th Street, and she wouldn't come to Connecticut. <laughs> and she says, I'm not going to the woods. Right, yes. right, right, right. Woods. Yes, we, we actually have shopping malls, too, you know. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a big uh, misconception from, from the folks in New York. Yeah, my mom's the same way. She's like, we, we only have one stoplight in the... In the town or something, you yeah. know. Yep. Horse and buggy. Yep. Uh, in my notes over here, I wrote some things down. It says, I understand you are on the legislative committee for both New Haven, Middlesex, and Connecticut Association. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we talked a little about this, but the differences and how are these committees like uh, favorable in what they do? 
Well, so I have actually testified at the state capitol for bills that we think were either very positive or very negative. For instance, you know, you know, the law says if you have a dam on your property, a dam. That's a new. That was a new question I saw on the condition property condition disclosure, which I always laugh about. Well, we put it there. Yeah. <laughs> but what's interesting about that is, you know, you should disclose if you have one. I would because, say so. Because if you don't, you're a hundred percent responsible to fix it. No and kidding. They can be terribly expensive if you have a problem with it. Wow. So that's why you have to disclose it. So I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not even can't sure. You just, can't you just rent a couple of beavers and have that done? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> You need to, yeah, damn, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a dam in my, it's a big, huge, <laughs> a big, huge open part of water is a dam with a waterfall. That's in my, my visual what the dam is, right? I mean, what exactly is a dam? Consider well, a blockage. A dam will, you know, keep water from rushing downstream. Yeah. And a pond, you know, you make a pond or a little... Changes the water course. Right, right, right. So right. if you have a dam, you are 100% responsible to maintain it. Interesting. Which could be very expensive. So what do you do in this case? Just be aware of it and just take on the responsibility under full disclosure that it's your responsibility. So there must have been some, at some point, a case that came up where some buyer didn't know about this being in position. Right. Has that happened a lot, by the way, with this whole thing? I don't know if it's thing? happened a lot, but there are some cases of it where, it happened, is, it was where, where they latched on to this, you know, legislation. Well, right. I, I would imagine if you have a dam on your property and let's say it's been uh, a working dam for 10 years, the folks who are downstream from that have dry property. Then all of a sudden, that property becomes wet where they get some sort of water running through their property, a brook or a stream or whatever, however, you know. And it's like, well, I never had a stream before, you know? And it's running right through the middle of my yard, so. Right. Or into their basement. Or, or into their basement, right. yeah. Right, right. So, so In which case, you now need flood insurance, right. which is, you know, a big thing. All right, so what is going on with some of the bills and legislation that are coming? We talked about one of them. Yeah, the mansion um, tax. The mansion tax. Anything else you could share with us? Well, there's a couple things going on. Um, energy audits. Um, energy audits are important to talk about. Yeah. Um, Can we? Scrape the surface on it. All right. Uh, Let's talk but the about long that. and the short of it is, you know, I think that's not a bad idea. Um, but... There are unintended consequences to bills. And once they become law, that's what we need to pay attention to. For instance, right, so they want to get rid of fossil fuel. So there's a bill out there that says, um, I think it's 2026, if I'm not mistaken, that you can't do new construction or major renovation if your primary fuel for heating is oil or gas. Well, that means you can't build anywhere like that I can think of because that would be all you have the options for. So what do we do? That's a good question. I don't know. So the, the laws that may be coming up or these ideas may be kind of um, kind of like a comic almost. That it's like they say these things, but how is that in today's world? Because they're not, they don't know of the unintended consequences. For right. instance, I, I don't know if you've heard of the Transfer Act. In Connecticut. Let's talk about There's it. There's a transfer what act. What is a transfer act? The transfer act is for environmental purposes. You have to disclose if there's any spill, if there's testing done, 
So when you go to transfer the property, you're on the chain of title that comes with you and goes to the new person, now on the chain of title. With the Transfer Act in Connecticut, as an example, there is a commercial condominium. Mm -hmm. One of the units deals in hazardous chemicals. Never had a spill, never did anything wrong, transferred them in and out of there, logged it, everything was perfectly fine. Every single property in that condominium was now considered an establishment for environmental purposes, which is just wrong. First of all, there was no issue with a property A, but being that they're all on the same right. land, yep. and you couldn't sell it. Mm -hmm. Couldn't sell it. So we're working on that. It's, it's, it's driving in the right direction. And, so it's almost uh, like a guilt by association. Just because they're in the, I guess you could say yeah. that. Yeah, sure. But that's just one of the things that I think was very important because... Go back into the thing I want you to to fit. No, just it, it's because, you know, it, it, it was very hard to transfer environmentally impacted properties. And there are some around the state that we need housing. We need to, we need to create housing where housing doesn't exist. Right. And some of those old kind of factory buildings, you know, would be perfect, you know, and we can talk about affordable housing um, on the town committee for affordable housing. We'll get to that in a minute, but we need to create affordable housing now. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I forgot the name of the condo um, condo complex. Uh, oh, shoot, I forget where it is. It's near Chester. Um, Deep River, I think it is, where it's brick. It's an old industrial. It was a piano works, I think it's called. Yes. Exactly. yes. So um, yep. it looks a lot like, kind of like a New York. It's got a New York feel to it. And New Yorkers would just love living there. Um, yeah, they're set up like. That's what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, so, exactly so we've got like in Cheshire, we have um, um, the uh, ball and socket. Yep. Which I think they're converting to some sort of uh, art building or something like that but mm -hmm. I mean that's an old building that's been sitting there rotted for years I mean they've tried to do something to fix it up but you know what's say so you can't convert that into you know into some sort of housing right right empty space yeah. all right go back we're gonna I want to close on this last part about this electric and gas and the you kind of sort of touching on it if we can a little bit more because or should we not can we I think we should leave it where it is for now all right yeah. there's, there, it's still being talked about it's being discussed it's it's on the floor so it's it's getting there steve i want to thank you so much the show has been going and so smoothly having the show it's actually been such a chill vibe you're so knowledgeable in so many things to do with real estate and what's been happening in the market and the board and we are lucky to have you as realtors to represent us and also the buyers and sellers in this industry they don't realize how important who plays a role in homeowners right so, like, when it comes to what you're doing as a seller or a buyer, Steve Miller is the kind of guy that's helping protect all of us. Um, and what the <coughs> National Association of Realtors, if I say correctly, I should know my words, right? Uh, what they do to protect everybody to make this process smooth and easy. And what Eric will be doing, if he can get his us on the board. I think that we're going to make a big stamp on that happening, Steve. You're going to help me out with that. I can help you. I think that he'd be a great guy. He's very outspoken. A ton of ideas. A ton of ideas. He's a mover and a shaker. None of them good. No. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for joining us here today, Tuesday. Uh, we ran a couple minutes late, but we are going to go to the wheel as we always do every week to give a free tumbler away. 
to a new and exciting winner. Forget the card. Well, that's a doozy of a username. That's PR74YS from Instagram. PR74YS from Instagram. You know, I think I know who that is, and I'm not going to say the name out loud. But congratulations to the winner of the, that's an Instagram you said? Instagram who won your Tumblr. Please reach out to us. Get in touch with us. We're going to send this over to you. We're so excited to have you every week on the show. Steve, you are fantastic. You. You're a great guy, a good friend. Thank you. Very knowledgeable. And I want to thank you so much, everybody, for joining us every week. Please stay tuned every week. Go to YouTube. Hit subscribe. Watch us every week on the replay. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful evening. We'll talk to you soon.